Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Going Soft on the State Broadcasting thing. <laughs> That's right. Suddenly it's not doesn't feel like so bad of an idea, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we've been hard. Maybe we've been a little hard on them for a while. You know, know just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For more pre-show banter, tune in to Preambling Number 36, Jeff's Big News Week. But now, back to the show. All right, so we are continuing on in the statement of theology, or the state of theology, the state of theology. Um, it's the, uh, the, from the, um, from the Ligonier Ministries, they take this this uh, they do this every two years. Take a survey of the state of theology in in certain churches, and they divide it up by various guides and such. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and and we've been going through it kind of a, a few questions at a time to kind of uh, and and I think we're we kind of have two purposes: one to sort of take stock together about the state of theology as Ligonier did. And also as a way of kind of refreshing ourselves on what um, is right and wrong doctrine and to have a discussion maybe about that as well. Um, so we are on statement 12 of, I want I forget how many uh, the state of theology.com by the way. Um, and we're looking at the data explorer specifically. Um, so yeah, we're on state, uh, 12 of 35 statement, 12 of 35. Um, and we are just moving into, we've moved out of kind of the spirit section, I believe. And we're moving into the sin section. Is that correct? Yes. I think that's correct. Um, yeah. With a, with a nice little transition on, the Holy Spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the Bible, which right. I think is informative of. Yeah. Um, although, although we should note, most people got that one right. Yeah. With some interesting exceptions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> which was a little bit of a frustration to us. But um, our format of taking these things is I will kind of make the statement. Um, Jeff will give us his whether or not his right or wrong answer. So is it a true statement or is it a false statement and give us an explanation? I will read the so, Ligonier statement. So, so far it's been a real coin toss, real dicey on whether I get these right. He's, he's batting 1000 so far. That's a, that's a baseball <laughs> reference. Uh, he, uh, but, um, I will either, maybe I will agree with him and, and add some of my own, but then we'll read the Ligonier statement. And then we start to look at the, um, survey data and 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 for one thing we'll do is we'll kind of say what we would guess the survey would say although you know usually we've looked at it so we're kind of saying what we would have guessed beforehand and then we'll look at the the, the data together um, and then we will specifically zoom in on <clears throat> evangelical agreement which evangelical agreement is um based on um the way they answered certain questions, and, and I'm not going to look that up right now, but um, we, we've talked about it on other episodes, so you know that you can look up the, what what the categorization that equals an evangelical is. Um, 
uh, evangelical belief. So there are people who agreed strongly with certain statements. And then we're looking at church attendance. And sometimes we'll break up into other metrics, but those are kind of the big metrics we look at because those are kind of the things that for, for me at least are kind of important. Like what do people who affirm evangelical beliefs believe and what do people who regularly attend church and especially regularly attend evangelical churches, what do they believe? And, and so um, what most people, what most Christians believe is interesting, but those are kind of important to me, if that makes sense. So let's get into it with question number 12 or statement number 12. Not a question. This isn't a catechism. Come on, Josh. Uh, statement number 12. This is like Oops. Jeopardy. The statements come first. <laughs> yeah. You've got to get the question. And the statement no. is, everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Jeff, uh... Is this a true or a false statement? Extremely false. Uh, uh, in fact, one might even say um, that there is none righteous, no, not one. Um, that there, there, that that people don't even understand or seek for God. They've all turned aside. Together, they've become useless. Their throats are open graves. Their mouths are full of blasphemies. There's poison of asps is under their uh, asps. I think that's right. Is under their li uh, lips. Uh, their their uh, feet are swift to shed blood. Uh, one of the worst things that can be said about a person in the Bible, that their feet are swift to uh, shed blood, that destruction and misery are, are in their wake, uh, that uh, the path of peace they have not even known, uh, and that there is no fear of God before their eyes, which means that they have not even approached the beginning of wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, and that that, that, that is... Uh, true of both Jew and Greek, of everyone without exception, full stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those statements where, like, it, it makes me think of, like, one of the only good things to come out of The Last Jedi <clears throat> is that statement from Luke. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. Yes. <laughs> like it, it really gets close on this one. Every word uh, is wrong. Like we could we could have said it was false if right. we stopped at the first statement. Everyone sins a little, right? <laughs> yeah, not yeah. a little. <laughs> uh, and also, everyone sins a little. Okay, well, there was one who didn't sin a little, but uh, <laughs> um, but most people are good by nature. Like that 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 is really the big part is. Whether you want to acknowledge whether or not people sin or not, that part is the part that is the, the major sticking point. That people are generally good by nature? No. No, they are not. Yes. Look, <clears throat> I hope they play our podcast in hell so that Rousseau can hear me say that, that you, that, that I hope, I hope that this podcast inflicts the most extreme suffering on you because you have inflicted the most extreme suffering on humanity, Rousseau. And yeah. And unfortunately I have seen the percentages and far too many Christians have believed you. Well, 
again, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's first see what uh, Ligonier <laughs> says. And I found a way to use blank, blank space so that, that we don't see anything of the bar ahead of time. So our Ooh. viewers can, can be in I did discover this with I us. did. I did. Uh, I did think to myself what I expected the result to be before before I saw it. By the way, so yeah. So we can still we can still do this. But let's look at first. Um, yeah, the statement it is false. Uh, it is a false statement. That very definitely false. Uh, since since the fall of Adam and Eve, human beings except Jesus Christ have been born into sin. According to God's perfect standard, none is righteous. No, not one. Uh, oh, and that's today cites, exactly what I just. Yeah, Romans three nine through eighteen. Yes. <clears throat> okay, they started part, a verse earlier than I did. Well, sort yeah. of. They sort of started a verse earlier than I did because yeah. I think when I came back at the end and said this is both Jews and Greeks, that's yeah, a reference to verse nine. Um, <laughs> and apart from God's grace, the intentions of our hearts are evil. From our youth and our thoughts are evil continually because we do not seek the glory of God. And that's citing a little bit Psalm 51, but their major citation is Genesis 6, 5 and Genesis 8, 21. And I love those two citations because what, what that tells us I love uh, is that 6, 5 comes before the flood. And this yes. is what God says is the reason why he's going to wipe out all of humanity. And then at the end, verse 8, 21 comes back around and says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man's heart, because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. So nothing about human nature changed from before and after the flood. I always like to point out the only difference was there was a sacrifice and a covenant. That is the difference. The only thing that withholds God's, uh, that that holds back the wrath of God against us is a sacrifice and a covenant. It's such an amazing picture right there, and right, <clears throat> and that matters and, and because, by the way, of course, by the way. We, we we like to joke about this because it is because it's kind of partly because we enjoy the slap to the face of everyone's uh um <laughs> massively over over um. How do I say this? Uh, everyone's massive overestimation of the goodness of man. We like stating it in the neg- in in a f- humorous way because it was a slap. It's a slap to the face and water in the water in the back. But it is the great tragedy at the heart of 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 the Bible. The great tragedy at the heart of life is how much humanity has fallen as a result of Adam's sin. Like that, we are there is none righteous. All. Are haters of God. The only reason, so you were talking about the flood and how the only difference between before and after the flood is a covenant. The only reason there was a boat is that there was a covenant with yes. Abraham. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> with uh, with Adam and Eve. No. Yeah, yeah, sorry. The only the only reason there was a boat is that there was a, a covenant with Adam and Eve it, it, saying, uh, saying, yes, these are all these punishments that you're going to fall under because you've, you've broken my law. But the seed of the woman will crush. This, and 
And for that to happen, there has to be a boat. This is one of the things that 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 we brought out when we uh, we just we're trying to go through the whole Bible with with my kids, and I expect my kids will be much older when we're done. Uh, but but uh, so so we're 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 going through, and um, because I'm sure everyone we, who watches our podcast is shocked to believe that you're probably I, going slower than you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm glad that most people, um, you know, aren't, uh, aren't, uh, driving or operating heavy machinery and, and are, and are seated when they listen to our podcast. That's at least my understanding of the situation because, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that came as a real shock. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, uh, so that's one of the things we we really tried to hammer this time through with the kids is because you know we just done you know only six weeks ago or whatever uh just done genesis 3 just kidding we had we had just done and we we did not spend much time between genesis 3 and we covered a lot of ground quickly between uh genesis 3 and genesis 6 um so um so we pointed out why does god save it why does god save noah not because of Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's it. Noah found favor. Why did he save anyone? Because he promised Adam and Eve. That's it. <laughs> that, that's the reason. And then he makes a covenant never to destroy the earth again. And then we did a little catechizing on... Uh, so if someone sa says to you that uh, you shouldn't have too many kids because... Um, you'll destroy the planet and there won't be springtime and harvest and, and cold and heat anymore. Um, uh, then, uh, then, then you can say to them that actually God promised that there would be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, uh, that, uh, uh, that they, that, that those would not disappear from the earth. Therefore be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> so, so God actually says the opposite. Don't worry that as long as the earth as long as the earth remains, uh, springtime and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter shall not cease. That's the yeah. uh, at least the ESV, I think. Um, and uh, and so um, and and then he says, and therefore be fruitful and multiply. But anyway, and and then we and then we uh, but we point out that 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 covenant that that he's promised to never again destroy the earth with a flood. Um, and that, and that he's promised, he's promised, look, no, uh, no, no tricks here. I'm, things are going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preserve the earth. I'm not going to, I'm not going to destroy the earth. Let the earth come to destruction. Um, I, and, uh, and so it's a uh, so so he makes he makes that covenant and then and then sorry what my brain was jumping ahead to because I was skipping like six steps because I was excited was uh, and then and then when he really starts to formalize his covenants in a more serious way his first covenant is with Abraham his first more formalized covenant is with Abraham. 
And what does he do? He has Abraham divide uh, divide two animals in half, which which would be a normal part of a vassal suzerain treaty, where where you would divide the animals in half, and both parties to the treaty would or the covenant would cross b- between the halves of the animals as a way of saying, let let us be ripped limb from limb if we don't keep this covenant. Then what does God do? He passes between the halves of the animal by himself. So, so it's a unilateral covenant. Mm-hmm. You will not keep this covenant, but I will. And that is that has been our only hope from the beginning. Mm. Is is this this is this is where it is. It, it is, I think, a very common error, and maybe it'll be a common error that pops up. I have not looked ahead. Um, it's a very common error to that you could keep the law in the old covenant and then and and be righteous, but that but that now the law has gone away and that Jesus is taken away. It's a very common common error. No, you have always needed God to keep the covenant for you. And it has yeah. always been looking forward to the blood of his son. Yeah. Um, that that my my favorite we sang Angels from the Realms of Glory today. My favorite line is justice now revokes the sentence. Mercy calls you break your chains. Um, justice now revokes the sentence. Justice can't revoke sentences yeah. except for Jesus. Without Jesus, justice can't revoke sentences. Yeah, I I think you know like, <clears throat> yeah, there, like you say, there's there's this this long-standing error that even was that Paul had to deal with that 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 error that you could keep the law, you could be righteous by the law, but also there's another kind of error that get, gets brought up sometimes too that that is. That God does not require you to keep the law. Like there, there's even a sense in which, like, um, the truth is actually that's you, the error Paul is answering in Romans three, I think. Right. If I'm recalling correctly. <laughs> yeah. That that this idea that <clears throat> in fact, there's there's some people I I love it when people do it, especially Ligonier people will do this. Be like, you know, technically, no one will ever be saved by anything but works. Works is the only way that anyone will be saved. People will only be saved by good works. And since we have none of our own, right. <laughs> we're going to need someone else's. And so yeah. that's what it means when we're saved by grace is that God is applying Christ's good works to ours because we have none. Because we are not righteous. Because we are sinners. But let's see if most Christians agree with us in this. I'm prepared to be disappointed. First of all, are you prepared to be disappointed or do you think that they're going to get it right? Well, before I saw, <laughs> um, I, I, I actually thought this one would be about 50, 50. Cause I, 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 I thought, okay, like the people are basically good. Like that's one of the, that that's, that's one of the most foundational. And, and this is, this is basically that, that people are basically good. That's one of the most foundational, like Christian worldview type things. That's, that's, 
one of the first places you'd start with something like that. It's one of the first places it's, if you're talking about a biblical anthropology at all, this is where you would start. Obviously anyone who's influenced by reformed theology is going to, is going to be fine here. Um, And, and we actually got a, a, a pretty encouraging answer on the last reformedish kind of question and so i really i really thought this one was going to be about 50 50 is because i know i know i know Rousseau has poisoned all all of his descendants but um but i so i know i know it's pervasive in the culture but i just thought i just thought like with any discipleship at all and so I'm assuming about half of all Christians have any discipleship at all, I guess, implicitly. But I was thinking, with any discipleship at all, you've, you've got this covered. It's a high expectation these days. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, let's take a look. Yeah. Um, this is, it's pretty disappointing. Um. Uh, over twenty-seven percent strongly agree, thirty-nine percent somewhat agree. That's a total of over over fifty percent, over sixty percent, I believe. Yeah, sixty-six percent. You put it together, uh, agree that people are good by nature. Sixty-six percent of Christians believers believe that people are basically good, and so fundamentally, what that means is sixty-six percent of believers who responded to this survey believe that Jesus is unnecessary. Yeah. Like that that's if people are basically good. See, this is why there's a song on the radio <clears throat> a few years back that had a blessedly uh short um rate uh lifespan that I remember hearing the song while I, I remember I was working construction at the time cuz I had it in my headphones because I was doing jackhammer work. <laughs> <laughs> and I had these noise canceling headphones that also put radio in and we were listening to the, I was listening to the Christian radio station and I said, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are, you are someone worth dying for. And I remember being like, no, you idiot. If you were someone worth dying for, he wouldn't have had to die. <laughs> That's the point is you weren't worth dying for and he did it anyway. But this is the problem with with people are basically good. If people are basically good, then Christ is essentially irrelevant. Christ is essentially unnecessary. God could have just kept the right amount of good people, separated off the wicked, and we would be good. We don't we wouldn't need uh we wouldn't need regeneration. We would just need a little bit of re, I guess, refocusing. Refurbishment. Ref- <laughs> yeah, refurbishment. Yeah, we wouldn't have needed regeneration. Like, that's, it's, the whole point is that we had no, there's no hope. Now, of course, 14% strongly disagree and 14% somewhat disagree. Total of 28% disagree. Six percent and unsure. It's very, very disappointing numbers. Um, massively disappointing numbers on this one. Um, uh, 
So then we can correct. We get let's let's see how evangelicals do if they do any better or any worse. Um, a little bit better. A little bit better when you sorry evangelical beliefs beliefs correct for evangelical beliefs. Uh, the numbers a little bit better. I um not perfect, not great, not even great, but a little bit better. Um. Yeah, that's still pretty disappointing, but but better. <laughs> so thirty actually, oh, actually, more people strongly agree than before. So you've got more extremely wrong people than before. Thirty six percent strongly agree, but the total of somewhat degree goes down quite a bit. Um, down to only fifty seven percent agree, but that's still a majority. Still, almost a super majority. Um. The not sure number goes down, but that wasn't really a significant number to begin with. Um, and then, but the big difference is that the people who disagree strongly disagree. Twenty-eight <clears> percent <throat> strongly disagree, and a total of thirty-nine disagree in total. So, still not amazing. Um, better, but not great. Um, you would hope that people who who you know evangelicals what are they what is that for it's it's they say a strong emphasis on a need for personal salvation personal faith conversion a high emphasis on god's word as authoritative you would you would hope that people who very strongly believe in the necessity of the cross of christ for salvation would would see the need and see how god's Word is clear about this. And, and so it is, it's very disappointing. It's very disappointing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can see why. So in the definition of evangelical is an emphasis on personal conversion and the cross of Christ. Yeah. So you can see why built into the definition there's a little better chance of getting this one right. Yeah. But evidently not as much as one would have hoped. Yeah. It's 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 disappointing. Very disappointing. Um <clears throat> So let's see how the how the things break down when it comes to church attendance. So th now the next category is people who attend uh See how how does it broken down? I gotta remind myself because it's been it's been a couple weeks. Uh who either attend never, rarely, or only on religious holidays. So this is what we mean by people who rarely attend. It's those three categories. Uh rarely, never, only on religious holidays. <clears throat> and the numbers look like this. About what we see with the general population. Less strong agreement. Less strong agreement. Um, that's uh, that's problematic for what we're about to see. But um, the numbers don't seem to change a ton. 60, 65% as opposed to 66% agree in total. Um, which means 28 disagree, 28 exactly the same amount of disagree. That for, there's a little bit of shift away from strongly disagree into somewhat disagree, but it's one percent, so margin of error. Uh, the not sure 
number goes up a little bit. Um, but it seems by and large not a lot of differences, which means we can kind of expect to not see a lot of dis differences when we go to regular attenders, by which we mean <clears throat> attending several times a week, once a week, or once to twice a month. Um, I throw in that last category because some people, they attend once or twice a month. If Not because they don't want to attend. Some people work. You know, we allow for that. Um, but, yeah. So you got more strongly disagree, but by two, only 2% 2 more. Um, only 1% more disagrees. And you have 6% uh, not... more strongly. 6% more a full third of respondents strongly agree with this statement. But you know what? 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 How, how can that be accounted for? That's what I feel like. That's again, the cult of niceness. Is it right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've done at this point is we, we, we breaking down by affiliation. to See where, where some of these numbers are, are shifting a little bit. And so, I mean, Here's what I'm about to click mainline and I'm expecting something. I'm expecting to find a lot of the strongly agrees there, but I've been shocked before. So click on mainline people who mainly attend mainline churches. Yeah, that strongly agree number goes up 10 and the, the amount of disagreement goes down. Um, yeah, that's the most notable is the, is the, the total amount of disagreement. But while the strong disagreement is almost a third, uh, well, yeah. uh, no, less than half. Let's say less than half. Yeah. The, uh, um, and that's actually the main source of the disagreement going down. Yeah. Actually, um, and uh, and yeah. So that's both, not surprising. Both, form, both forms of agreeing go up. Yeah. Uh, talking about Rousseau's influence, Rousseau's influence in the th via the German school of li the German yeah. liberal school. That's they mainline. What defines mainline denominations is denominations that have been infected by German liberalism. Really, yeah. Like that's that's what we see there. <clears throat> I want to see what Roman Catholics answer. Uh, regular attending Roman Catholics. No, oh, they nail this one mostly. Really? You might oh, regularly attending. Regular attending. I, don't, I haven't clicked regularly attending. Oh, dude. Once or twice a month, once a week, several times a week, Roman Catholics? Oof. Look at that. Okay, you're, you're, you're going with rarely attending Catholics at the moment. No, no, no. The ones who attend several times a week... Once a okay. week and once or twice a month. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those who attend yeah. regularly. 82% agree with the statement. 80, 40% oh, yeah, strong. I very, very briefly, for some reason, in switching categories, forgot which one was, forgot which one was the correct answer. Uh, yeah, 14, okay, no, that's really bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. 14% <laughs> disagree and only three strongly only three percent of the church that hosted 
the great debate between Augustine and Pelagius, only 3% gave even the semi-Pelagian answer. The semi-Pelagian answer, by the way, is a rejection of people who are good by nature. Like that was semi-Pelagianism. They take it as semi-Augustinianism that they're mostly on Augustine side, but they would preserve some error area, some areas of the will that are still untainted by sin. That's what the semi-Pelagian, semi-Augustinian answer uh, compromised, you could say, um, lands on. But they still should, even the semi-Augustinians should still agree strongly with the statement. But this is, this is the state of Roman Catholic theology. This is the state of, of post-Reformation Roman Catholic theology. That they believe that most people are good by nature. So is it, and so and this is the regular attendant Catholics. This isn't lapsed nominal Catholics. This is very, very disappointing. Though I have to say not shocking. Yeah, Catholics shouldn't have an issue admitting to being sinful. Yeah, absolutely. But here we go. Um, now, because I'm, af- I'm afraid to look at it, but I, I can't put it off any longer. Regular attending evangelicals. Let's see. Maybe there's some hope there. Regular attending people who regularly attend an evangelical church. Several times a week, once a week, once, twice a month. Evangelicals. Evangelical affiliation. <sighs> That's a lot better. Not still not perfect. Still it's over a lot 50%. better, but still fifty-two percent of them agree. Yeah, still fifty-two percent agree. But I'm just so glad that it's not the massive eighty percent that I saw with the Roman yeah. Catholics. That I, I, it's interesting because it's become so infectious that. I'm considering slightly over half a good news. Um, but but I think also the big thing is that you still got that you got that twenty nine percent that strongly disagree. You got yeah. almost coming up on a third that strongly disagree with the statement. This is about what I expected the general Christian population to look like. Yeah. It's what regularly attending evangelicals look like. Yeah. That's not great. It's not. It's it's really not. Uh, I guess See, I still don't get how you can be a regularly attending evangelical and over half. So you're you're attending an evangelical church. You're being told about like evangelism. The, the very basic gospel presentation is yeah. that everyone's a sinner. Yeah. I guess this pairs well with the other error of that that whole like every sin is equal in the eyes of God. I feel like that this would pair with that like that's the only way out of this well, that, is what I would say. That's basically the next that's basically the next question. Oh, well, I, I would say that that's the only way out of this one for the evangelicals to say, "Yeah, yeah, people are mostly good, but you know what? Mostly good isn't good enough." You know, like that's where, like, there, there was that back when we still thought Andy Stanley was orthodox. Um, he wrote that book, "How Good Is Good Enough," which basically yeah. takes on the approach of like, 
you know, you're mostly good. You're mostly good. But you know what? Mostly good isn't good enough. Um, and, and so um, even that is still not great. It's, you know, it's still not great. Um, but but that's that's the only way I can see that you can get out of this and still say evangelism is necessary. To say like, well, people are mostly good, but you know what? Mostly good isn't good enough. Mostly good will get you to hell, um, which which is not correct. But at least that I think it's a way out. I guess I'd still prefer they be orthodox. <laughs> you know, um, but. Yeah, so sh since since you say I'm starting to touch on the next one, should we move to the next one? Sure. <clears throat> so the next one is uh, even the smallest sin deserves damnation. So that's that's the statement. Even the smallest sin deserves damnation. Statement 13. Jeff, is that a true or a false statement? Everyone who keeps the law but fails in even one point is guilty of all of it um and uh and cursed is everyone who does not keep the whole book of the law i think i think the that first one is is james and the other is galatians which i i pick because they're sometimes read in opposition to each other uh but on this Correctly. are in lockstep <laughs> yeah Right. Even the slightest sin is true. Even if you keep the law in every way but one tiny little detail, then you are, are condemned for the whole lot of it. Um, yeah, that's this is this is the heart of I mean the heart of the, the, the gospel is that we need to be saved from the wrath of God. That every sin Deserves the wrath and curse of God, both in this life and in that which is to come. I'm quoting the yes. Keach Catechism on this one, <clears throat> or the Westminster, if you're of the Presbyterian sort. Um, but but this, yeah, this is the heart of the gospel, and I say it's the heart of the gospel, even though it's about sin. And 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 I know it's become faux pas to talk about sin because it's because we're we're dumb and don't know what the gospel is. But the heart of the heart of the gospel has to be sin because if there is no sin that needs to be condemned on the cross, then why does the cross need to happen? The cross needs to happen because there is a sin because there is wrath. There was a, there was a, one of those post evangelical guys who's been popping up in my notifications lately. I'm saying like, you know what? Uh, transgender people don't need to hear if you if you say if you're what you say to a transgender teen is repent and believe the gospel or what is it what is it repent you sinner then you have not, you have failed to love them and my quote tweet was if if the problem if their problem is the wrath of god then repent you sinner is the only way we can love them like that's the only way you can love them is to tell them, repent you sinner. I just showed the video of Penn Jillette talking about proselytization, which is one of those moments where a rabid atheist gets it better <laughs> than evangelicals do, where he's talking about like, man, 
Like he's like, I do not respect people who do not proselytize. I do not respect people because if you if, and and I'm not one of those atheists who say Christians keep it to yourself. Don't talk to me about it. Like if you believe that there's a real hell and that there's a real eternal life, and you don't tell someone about it because it's like socially awkward, how much you gotta hate a guy not to tell him about yeah. that? I was like, oof. When we're taken to task by by an atheist, that's a problem. But 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 he's right. Like he's right. This is this is the heart of the gospel is that there is something, there's a condemnation coming and that we need to be saved from that. It's so funny like how often you'll see like um certain brands of Arminian um coming from a certain school uh a certain teacher in texas usually um and also many atheists is they'll mock this conception of the gospel that god himself saves us by himself from himself but it's funny mm. when, when they mock that i'm like you know at least they get it because that is the gospel is that god yeah. himself rescues us by himself from himself that is what the gospel is the problem is God is going to pour out wrath on us for our sins, sin, wrath that we deserve, and that God himself steps in and because of his own action redeems us from his wrath. Like that's the beauty of the gospel is that we couldn't do it. We were never going to yeah. do it. And he and he does it for us. I I noticed um I, I noticed this parallel and I haven't quite figured out what to do with it yet. But uh, so it's, it's often been pointed out that Jonah correctly understands that God is merciful, that the gospel is powerful. And that if he gives the gospel to these people, he hates, they might repent and God will spare them. Even though that's not actually part of his message. He just says, you're about to get fire and brimstone. And then, heads up on and a they, hill to watch yeah and they accurately understand what they're supposed to do <laughs> right <laughs> right and and he knew and he goes he 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 goes ah oh, god i knew that you were compassionate and full of love and kindness and that yeah. you would do that yeah. um <laughs> i actually wrote um, a paper on that in my hebrew exegesis class because it's fascinating that he flips around two of the lines he's quoting the the formulation that God gives to Moses on the mountain when he looks at his back, but he flips two of the lines around. So while he so it's like while he gets the doctrine, he gets it completely wrong. <laughs> Even while he gets it right, he gets it wrong because he flips two of the lines around. Interesting. Yeah. Um. But uh. But so 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 okay. So that's often been pointed out, but I just. I just noticed uh, this week that there's there there's there's some kind of some parallel going on there when Jesus says, "You brood of vipers, who warned you of the wrath to come?" Mm. I don't know what to do with that exactly, mm. <laughs> um, um, uh, but but. But Jesus is also like, like, you know, you guys are so terrible. It might be better if you didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, I, I'm not sure if that's what he's saying, but it's, it's like, 
Um, it, he seems to be saying something kind of similar to Jonah there. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure I gave it enough credit for being hmm. like. Interesting. He, he wants. So, so I guess this is the zeal for his father's house consumes him. And he wants, he, he righteously and in a holy way wants to see them face eternal damnation. And I guess this is proof that he's God, right? It, it, because that's how God feels about it. <laughs> if, if, he, if he didn't feel that way, he wouldn't be God. So there's a sense in which he wants to see them face the wrath to come. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, he sort of expresses the same little uh, frustration that, uh, although, although there's no evidence they do repent. There's no evidence that Jesus didn't want them to repent. Mm-hmm. So it's not a perfect parallel. Yeah. It, I think that might have something to do with Jesus being perfect and yeah. Jonah very much not being, uh, but anyway, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it is, um, uh, it is, it is interesting. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, what we're driving at here is that this is this is the heart of not just the gospel proclamation, but yeah. this is this is this is the Bible. Like, yeah, what is eating from the tree? Yep. Eating from the, Adam didn't murder Eve. That comes two chapters later, uh, right? <laughs> um, or one, one, one chapter later. Uh-huh. <laughs> Didn't take long, uh, but, um, but uh, Adam, uh, Adam didn't murder Eve. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't. Uh, um, they they didn't they didn't build a tower and try to reach the heavens uh, <laughs> and, and be like God. All they did was, was eat a fruit. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a small sin, but it yeah. deserved eternal damnation. Yeah. So yeah, this is Ligonier's answer is it is true. God does not grave all grade on a curve but mm. demands that we be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect it's matthew five forty eight. the very words of jesus yeah <clears throat> if that, we fail to keep and, and as jeff as jeff brought up if we fail to keep even one of god's commandments we are guilty of breaking the entire law and are under the divine curse which only jesus from which only jesus can save us Cites actually both of the passages, uh, Genesis or Galatians three ten through fourteen. Hey, <laughs> and James two ten. <clears throat> so there yeah, like, I nailed I nailed half of the Ligonier answer. I'll uh, take uh, it. <laughs> that's right. Um, and so yeah, it's completely true. It's completely true. God does not grade on a curve. Now the question becomes: Okay, so, uh, what do we expect? them to answer on this one. Um, what was your expectations before looking at that? 
and before and before knowing the last one, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, because my expectation changed after yeah. uh, knowing the last one. It was again 50-50, but I expect this one would pretty much track. I expect this one to pretty much track uh, in, in the opposite direction. I expect it to pretty much track in the opposite direction. I expect, I expect uh-huh. almost two thirds of people to get this one to get this one wrong, which in this case is to say false. Yeah, I. <clears throat> now that I know they got the last one wrong, before I would have expected it to be about fifty fifty. Because again, I expect these two questions to be pretty close. You know, I had, I had. High hopes, but low expectations. <laughs> I I was kind of terrified that, that this was going to turn out. That they would not get this wrong. That Christians would get this wrong. Because the truth is, you miss this one. You missed it all. Like, there, there's a point in which I'm like, if you don't believe this, I'm wondering if you're actually a Christian. <laughs> And so here's here's the numbers. It is possibly worse than I feared. What's well, it's worse than I predicted even after knowing yeah. the last It's a true statement. 58%, almost a supermajority strongly disagree with the direct teaching of the Bible. And a full 69% disagree. We can only find 15% that strongly agreed with this pivotal doctrine. Which, by the way, pretty much matches the 14% that strongly disagreed with the last one. So a total of a quarter, barely a quarter of respondents got it correct strongly or somewhat. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. Overall, overall it's, it's worse because yeah, another 14% somewhat disagreed with the last one. Only 10% somewhat agree with this one. Same number of not sure as I think. Yeah. Same number of not sure as, um, and and yeah, it's the strongly disagree. People That's... vehemently wrong on this doctrine. On this, on this, uh, and this, you're right. I think this is more directly stated in scripture than the last one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because even I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know how you read that litany in Romans three that I. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know how you read that and and come away answering true to the last question. And yet, it's still a conclusion. This one is directly stated. It's a conclusion from <laughs> it's a conclusion from the scripture. This yeah, this one straight up is said in the scriptures. Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, I don't. You, and like, this is where I'm like terrified to see what evangelicals answer. Uh, people who claim evangelical beliefs, like what are they going to answer? <clears throat> like, dear <sighs> Lord, I'm hoping 
that the number flips dramatically, but I don't see how it can. So let's see. Evangelical beliefs. Okay, that's not... That's actually pretty good. <clears throat> that is something of a dramatic flip. Not as steep as I would like it to be. I'd wish it would be 100% in the one direction. Um, but still, 55% agree, 48% strongly. And okay. only 33% strongly disagree. 39 total disagree. Um, so it's, it's better and, and you'd expect, and I expected it to be. And so I'm glad that my expectation was correct, but you still want to be like, let's set aside the Bible as our authority, because I know that it's easy to say the Bible's our authority, but not actually read it. And that's a problem among evangelicals is they'll say the right things, but they won't actually pick up the book. But like. What do you think conversion is? Why yeah. do you think there's a necessity of the cross in a personal conversion if it's not because every little sin damns you? Like, does just does 33% of people think that every single person has committed serious, heinous sin? Even when Jesus says how difficult it is for a rich man to enter heaven. I guess we, we misread that. I think we naturally read that to be like Jesus is saying, it is more difficult for a rich person to enter heaven than a poor person, which is not what he says. His disciples interpret it the other way around and he does not correct them. <laughs> His disciples go, who then can be saved? And he says, with, 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 with man, these things are impossible. But yeah. with God, all things are possible. It's also so amazing the way we try and get around that verse. <laughs> Where people will be like, oh, but the, the, the eye of the needle is referring to uh, a gate, a very narrow gate in Jerusalem that we have no proof ever existed. Yeah. That we have no archaeological, no historical proof. It's just some guy guessing it in the late medieval period. But 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 we all jump to that conclusion because we don't like the actual obvious conclusion from that passage, which is yeah. is it actual, Jesus is saying it's easier to do an impossible thing than for a rich man to enter heaven? The 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 <clears throat> actual obvious answer is that in ancient Near Eastern rhetoric, um uh you 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 could demonstrate one one of the ways you would demonstrate your point was by exaggeration by 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 like absurdity by by talking talking in absurdities that was that was like the key to ancient near eastern humor was um that, that, that's definitely what Jesus is going for when he talks about straining mats and swallowing camels. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plucking, and, plucking, a, plucking a, a, a grain out of your, out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank sticking out yeah, of yours, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely what he's going for. Might be going for humor here even, in which case, yeah. in which case Jesus also finds it appropriate to, 
to joke about grave and serious things um gallows uh, humor that oh, that, that really bother his disciples yeah because um, his disciples are clearly perturbed by this one by the way and yeah. and by the way this is in the context of the rich young ruler yep. who um it says jesus who loved. uh who who jesus loved and he loved jesus yeah. he comes I love the uh, revived thoughts. Uh, did I can't remember who the preacher was, but they oh, did. Yeah. Uh, they did one. They did one on. Uh, uh, they did one on this one. I think it was a revived. Ra- I think it was a revived radio replay oh, that they know. did. I, th- I think they played the guy's actual voice, um, mm. and um, uh, so I think they had a recording, and. Um, so a, a Scottish, it was a Scottish, I remember it was a Scottish preacher. I think he was preaching in America because he was talking about how um, Americans are so much more obsessed with wealth than, than Scottish people. Um, and, um, uh, and anyway, he, uh, um, and he points out, I, 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 I had never noticed this before, that the, um, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus enthusiastically and leaves him very reluctantly, but it doesn't matter. He left him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you come to Jesus enthusiastically and you leave him only reluctantly. You still left. Leaving him is, is what will, will damn him. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, so, so the rich young ruler wants to follow Jesus. By the by, I believe this is this was not from that sermon. This is this is just Jeff speculating. I believe that if Jesus had told him, "Sell all you have and donate it to me," he would have done it. Hmm. If he'd said, "Become my patron and follow me," I think he would have done it. But he said to give it to the poor. You get no recognition for this. You don't get to say, see that Jesus fella? I I sponsor him. You know, you don't get any he's got you don't my, get he's any got my brand on the back. Yeah, yeah. You don't get any uh um and you don't you don't get to maybe live a bit more of a comfortable life because you because you donated um you we're, like you do when you go to buymeacoffee.com such flyover that's right um we 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 unlike we unlike jesus will take your filthy lucre um and uh we will promise you a more comfortable life in exchange in secret discord server um, yeah yeah I um more comfortable might not be the way to pitch that. Uh, <laughs> more rewarding. More rewarding. More yeah, rewarding. that's fair. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, more exposure to all sorts of uncomfortable topics. Uh, <laughs> Mostly for um, me, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> uh, unless the topic that makes you uncomfortable is Canadian politics, in which case it's me. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, but, but yeah, so, okay. So then the obvious conclusion is that despite Jesus loved him, he loved Jesus 
he wanted to follow he wants to he wants to follow Jesus he wants he wants to join Jesus' disciples um he so 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 his wealth and his position must not be ultimately that important to him in that sense but he's not willing to trade them for nothing <laughs> he's not willing to willing to come up completely empty on that and that's and 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 so that's ultimately why jesus grace. says i'm sorry which is what grace is that's what grace is yeah an empty hand mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so he's not willing to come to jesus with an empty hand that's right he he he's yeah he's eager to come to jesus but on his own terms yeah um and 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 saving saving his dignity um and and uh uh and and that's that's not what jesus demands and so so that's when jesus transitions and and uh tells his disciples how difficult it is for a rich man to enter heaven it's easier for a think of the biggest thing in your experience which in in uh uh turn of the era Palestine would have been a camel. No elephants. No uh um uh no 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 dragons anymore. Um so uh a, a camel is the biggest thing in in the average layperson's experience in first century Palestine and the smallest thing, the smallest passageway that a normal person could think of is the eye of a needle. That's it. He's biggest thing you can think of smallest passageway you can think of (laughs) that. That's, that's what he's doing. It's pretty simple. It's not. (laughs) um, And and then he, and then he affirmed, and this this just blows that whole. Oh yeah, there's this gate that we have no historical record of out of the out of the water because it would make no sense. Then why does he say with man it's impossible? You just said that with great effort, people were doing it. No, no, no. What Jesus is saying is it takes a miracle. You know why? Yes. Because every little sin is worthy of eternal damnation. And yes. you can't stop making them. You can't stop doing them. You can't stop doing mm. little sins. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see how evangelicals answer this. Not evangelicals. Uh, people who rarely attended church. Um, I expect it to be about the same. Uh, probably worse. Sorry, I, sorry. I have one more, one more little oh. bit of rant. So, okay, sorry. I've got one more little bit of rant here. So right now for the last few hours, I am on my best behavior. Why? Because I know you all are watching me. And yet I probably still have sinned somehow. I don't, I don't even know how, but I probably have sinned 
somehow in the last couple hours, knowing that you all are watching me. Mm. How much graver then that I know that God is always watching me. I know I cannot escape his eye. I know this. I should be infinitely more worried about what he sees than what you see. And yet I am not. When the camera turns off, I am more likely, not less, to commit sins. Mm. And, and, and that in itself is condemnation upon me. Yeah. It yeah. proves that I am a sinner worthy of eternal damnation. Sorry. Now I'm done. <laughs> All right. All right. That was a good one. Good stuff. Important stuff. Um, so let's see. I'm, I'm expecting people who rarely attend church to be more on the strongly disagree side. Um, yeah. Don't. Unsurprised. Um, people who only attend on religious holidays or rarely or never attend. 72% strongly disagree. Of course. Of course they disagree. Because they feel no pressure. They feel no pressure to, to run to Jesus because they're not doing it. They're right. <laughs> comfortable sitting at home. They're fine with it. So, of course, yeah. they don't believe that the smallest sin deserves damnation. Um, which the fact that it, it, that it is so lopsided it gives me a little bit of hope as we look to the flip side of people who attend twice a month, once or twice a month, weekly or more than weekly. Where we see uh, better, but not great. That that gets relatively close to 50-50, which gives me better hope for people who attend an evangelical church. Um, sure. Yeah, it is, it is about 50-50 at that point, yeah. 52% to, what, that'd be 42%. Six percent middle. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, let's I mean, yeah, let's uh let's look at affiliation. Um, let's start with evangelical and see if, if we are right to put our hope there. <laughs> the people who regularly oh. attend an evangelical church. Yeah. Among little. those who regularly attend though, it doesn't change it doesn't change much. Not so a just, lot. Watching the change between regular attendance, all, and regular attendance, evangelical church. It's not as much as I would have hoped. No. I mean, it does bump it. Well, hold on. 47%. 47%. It's about exactly equal. 47 46% not sure. I'm making up the, the difference in the 50%. So it, it is about 50-50. Um, that if you att which, regularly attend an evangelical which, church, it is fifty fifty as to whether or not you get the most important. Which we predicted. Right, we predicted important. from this question being about fifty fifty on the last, um, on the last statement. Um, so it's actually, yeah, okay. So evangelicals well, actually, do a little better on this one than they did on the last one. Okay, sure. Um, probably because one. it's actually directly stated in scripture yeah. and the last one isn't. And yeah, well, evangelicals, at least in principle, care what the Bible says. Yeah, although I gave the out that maybe they could say the last one incorrectly 
if they still believe that the smallest sin damned them. The fact that they don't stand that strong on this one is like, yeah. I'm, I'm taking their out away. You know, like this is... Well, no, I mean, it's 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 basically the same people getting this one and the last one right. You can be pretty confident. You can be pretty confident. I don't yeah. think it's... I don't think it's flipped. I don't think it's the people who got the last one wrong. It's because they got this one right. I think it's pretty much the same people getting getting these two right. Yeah. So then, why call you? Why call yourself an evangelical? Like what? What are evangelical churches doing that they're missing this essential point? And of course, I know exactly what they're doing. They are under preaching law and under preaching sin they're not preaching about sin they would rather stick to the nice parts isn't it great that jesus died for you but we're never going to talk about why he needed to die for you let's just say let's just focus on the fact that isn't it great that jesus died for you and he died so you don't have to feel guilt or shame but where did that guilt and shame come from we're not going to talk about that we're just going to talk about you're free from your guilt and shame talk about that he died for you how lovely how much he loved you. Why did he have to love you in this way? We're not going to talk about that. It's this, this toxic niceness and toxic positivity where we're not able to say true things because it's not positive. It's not no. positive. I wonder, K-Love. Whoops. <laughs> I wonder how much this would go up if if you look at Evangelical churches that have three things. Confession of sins, assurance of pardon, mm. regular communion. Mm. Yeah. Good question. Because practically speaking, that's where the rubber's going to hit the road up. That that this is where at least <clears throat> at least in our church this is where you can't miss what we mean. Yeah. about sin, damnation and the path to righteousness. Mm -hmm. Is is you can't miss it. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to every week. And I, I want, I probably shouldn't announce this on the podcast, but, but I, I don't think anyone could be surprised. I'm going to raise with my elders, a more explicit assurance of pardon. Um, because Confession of sins, assurance of pardon is what we call that part <laughs> of the service. Um, and then, and then we, I think we do a good job of, of, of saying, of pointing back at communion, pointing back and saying, so we've already done this. You don't, like because I, I think it's a mistake to have a confession of sins and assurance of pardon and then say now before you come take communion 
It's like, no, 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 no. We did this. We did this. Otherwise, you didn't mean the assurance of pardon. <laughs> um, or you didn't mean the confession of sin. You didn't really mean that you needed to confess your sins. You didn't really mean, like, th these <laughs> taking communion shouldn't make it any more special, except that people die when they don't do it right. So, you know, be careful. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, um, so yeah, I mean, you eat and drink condemnation to yourself, uh, if you, if you take unworthily, but that's not fundamentally different than what you do when you sit in a pew and hear the word of God preached unworthily. Not fundamentally. Not as explicitly people die for this. <laughs> people die over this <laughs> um, in the scriptures. But, um, but there's not a... Uh, There's nothing that fundamentally different about partaking of the supper than than uh, than hearing the word preached and looking at yourself in that mirror and and turning away and forgetting what you look like and never repenting and never <laughs> never confessing. Um, so anyway, um, sorry. All this to say, I think. Like the church knows things, right? Like these traditions are there for a reason. The and 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 yes, we shouldn't uncritically accept all of them because some of them were clearly bad. Um, but there are a lot of traditions of the church that we should be keeping. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the structure of the service and, uh, and yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think it's good that the sermon takes more pride of place in our services than most of the history of the church, frankly. Um, most, not all. <laughs> there, there are exceptions. I don't think uh, John Chrysostom got that name, Golden Mouth, uh, because he was really good at chewing the sacrament. I, I think it was because he was a good preacher. So, so I think there was some of that. <laughs> um, I, I, actually, I know it was because he was a good preacher because people bothered to keep his servants and we still have a lot of them. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, so, uh, so it's, uh, it's not like, it's not like in the history of, church, of the church, we've never had that kind of emphasis. Um, but, you know, the, the liturgy itself teaches us things. And, and the confession of sins, assurance of pardon, and communion, I think, 
make it impossible to miss some of these doctrines. I say impossible, not impossible, unfortunately, but a lot harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, I I looked at the next one and it's going in a different direction. So this actually makes us a good uh place to stop for this week. <clears throat> um, the overall theme, although. Next week, we'll get into why this is such an important doctrine. But the overall theme of the week is we cannot underplay the role of sin. And, and we cannot underpreach sin. We need to preach it clearly. And, and it connects to something we said earlier um, during my political manifesto. Where we were talking about why, why the law is so important. Is the gospel doesn't Although, make sense without that. If you're listening to... If you're listening to this when it comes out, uh, you didn't miss Josh's political manifesto. It's the main episode this week. Yes, yes, you didn't. Um, but, <clears throat> but anyway, I think that's. Uh, I think that's 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 the main thing to to hit on, and you really you brought it home well. I I don't really have anything to add to it. Um, I just think this is why we need to preach the law. It's uncomfortable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make people not want to come back to your church. But it's essential. Can't skip it. You can't skip it and still preach the gospel. And, and it's, it's just got to be done. You just got to buck up, get the courage, and do it. So, any, uh, any last words? Yeah, well, we... We saw from Jesus with the rich young ruler. Jesus' goal was not just to get fannies and seats. His goal was to get truly repentant fannies and seats. Yeah. And, and, um, and in John 6, he keeps telling them, keeps telling them, won't leave it alone <laughs> unless you Unless you, highly observant Orthodox Jews, munch on my body parts and and drink my bodily fluid, you you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I think that's I think that's what he was saying. I be, I believe that's not those exact words. Obviously, I I embellish for effect, uh, but but uh, I think it was see the kingdom of heaven, I think was the, was the payoff there. Um, and they all left him. Um, he, Jesus wrote the book on the church shrinkage movement. <laughs> um, he, he, he over and over again, was really good at shrinking his church. Um, right. Uh, and and you're not Jesus. It is true. You cannot tell someone that they need to sell everything they have, give it to the poor, and and follow you, um, be- because you don't have that kind of insight into them personally. You won't be able to 
scalpel that exact repentance that they need to be true followers of Jesus, which means you will have false followers of Jesus sitting in your pews. You, you just, you just always will. But that means you've got to hit this stuff harder. And if they don't come back, that's okay. Because, because you must be born again. And if they don't want you to be preaching that you must be born again, well, that's a problem because you must be born again. Yeah. Wipe the dust from your feet. It's uncomfortable. Nobody likes doing it, but you got to do it. Yeah. So. <clears throat> um, and by the way, if you think this shrinks the church, Try the opposite, and it'll shrink it even faster. So, yeah. so, so, don't worry. <laughs> you'll definitely have more regenerate people, um, and you'll and you'll and you'll probably have more people <laughs> than going the other way. But a lot yeah. of a lot of evangelical churches go a third way, <laughs> um, and 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 try to try to. Do just enough gospel to keep the people coming. So, <clears throat> I think with that, we're going to bring this episode to a close. Um, make sure you do all the things. Like, subscribe, comment, rate, follow, share. Tell your cousin, tell your, tell your Pelagian nephew, tell your Augustinian uh, grandpa, because I think he'll get a kick out of us. And, uh, and uh, if you, if you really like what we're doing, you want to support us, go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. You can support us over there and uh, we will take your money and your patronage and we will make, we, we will celebrate you for your patronage. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but most importantly, that, that, the foxes have their holes and the and the birds of the air have their nests, but I have a whole house. <laughs> I need I need to right. I need to pay for the natural gas to heat it. That's right. Yeah. Most importantly. <laughs> Sorry. Join us again next week when we take Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. <laughs>